Are you ready? Yo. It's time, time to separate the men from the boys. boys. Get down to the business of sport right here on the world-famous Ginger's Perspective. Hello and welcome to Football 2 Plus 3, man of man. What a weekend of football it has been and lots to talk about as we look back at what has been a weekend of controversy, a weekend of managers potentially being sacked. It's all happening, Mo. I mean, let's start off with the big talking point. Anfield, Liverpool 2, Tottenham 2, dodgy refereeing, or were they right? What is your take on those two penalties that were given that essentially gave Tottenham a lifeline at Anfield? Yeah, look, it was an exciting, thrilling game. I mean, the first half belonged to Liverpool, second half to Spurs. I'm, I'm still stumped about the penalties. I mean, okay, look, the second one, it was soft, but I mean, we've seen worse uh, penalty has been given. But the first one, I mean, where Harry Kane missed, that there, to me, he was offside. I don't understand this ruling of a defender touching the ball that, you know, kept the ball in play. And I don't get it. I thought that if you offside and you motion towards the ball, then it's offside. Yeah. It could never have been a penalty. But maybe we don't understand the, the rules, apparently, from what has been on the, the, the TV and on, on online. It's, it was the right call. Well, I've got a statement here from the PG Mole, um, which is, I suppose, the referee's official, uh, the, the, the organization that looks after the refs, I imagine. Um, and it says, John Moss was in a good position to see that a Liverpool player deliberately played the ball before it fell to Harry Kane in the penalty area. He then correctly judged that Kane was fouled by Loris Karius However, given the speed of the attack, he was uncertain of the identity of the Liverpool player who kicked the ball. Eddie Smart, having identified that Kane was in an offside position, correctly sought clarification on whether Lovren had deliberately played the ball. His question created some momentary confusion when Eddie asked if Lovren had touched the ball. Moss knew a Liverpool player had touched the ball, but not that it had been Lovren. He then asked a question to his fourth official, Martin Atkinson, and acknowledges that referencing TV was misguided. Atkinson did not reply to the question, so he had no involvement in the decision. Having properly reflected on the questions asked, John knew that a Liverpool player now identified as Lovren had played the ball and that no offside offence had occurred. He then awarded the penalty. For the avoidance of doubt, Atkinson did not view a television monitor and did not relay any information on, to the on-field officials. In real time, this was a difficult series of decisions, which the match officials judged correctly in recognizing that Kane was not offside, as Lovren had deliberately played the ball, and he was fouled for the award of the penalty kick. Sounds like they're trying to cover themselves to make sure that you know the refs are not seen as making a mistake. But maybe the referee thought that this game had VAR, that's why he asked. That's exactly it. <laughs> I think also, you know, the linesman maybe wanted to get his name in the headlines. I mean, he was involved in both decisions. Look, the penalty for the, the one Harry Kane missed, I think it was a penalty. The goalkeeper came out rushing. You know, the, the speed at the, the smallest touch and the, the guy's going to go down. I don't think he dived. There was a bit of contact. You don't, don't think he dived? He was he was doing a Boeing 747 across the no, pitch, mate. It wasn't, I don't 
don't oh, think there was enough contact to bring him down. Harry Kane was Harry Kane was so desperate for that hundredth Premier League goal that even a breeze would have knocked him over. But to, to be honest, how did that penalty impact the game? It didn't really. He, he missed the penalty one. Goalkeeper wasn't sent off. So, you know, I don't see how that impacted. We should rather be talking about Karius's mistake that, you know, uh, gave gave Spurs the equaliser. Or maybe Mo Salah's brilliant second goal. I think I mean, Mo Salah was outstanding. He's something... He's, he's got a name. He shares a name with me. I mean, oh, it's magical. Great name. Great name. He's got to be in your fantasy team, by the way, Mo Salah. You've got to get him back in the mix. All right, let's not get too carried away here. Last thing on the on the on the penalties, I think they were very soft, and we could debate until the cows come home where they were or they weren't. End of the day, it begs the question: Should VAR be at all the games now? Because there's so much at stake. You look at Watford, and we'll get to the Watford result against Chelsea in a moment. But if you look at Watford, for example, six points separates them from uh, a place in Europe. And six places down, or six points down, sees them in the bottom half in the relegation zone. So, at this stage of the season, no one can afford to drop points, uh, especially in a crucial game like a Liverpool-Tottenham game. Uh, look, uh, absolutely. But going on to your first point, I don't. I still don't believe VAR needs to be introduced into the Premier League. Yes, it's it's all a measure of you know split-second decisions, all of that. But think about it. If it were introduced, right, what would we talk about after the Spurs-Liverpool uh, game? Nothing. No, exactly. Every decision would be spot on. The Spur- Liverpool supporters won't feel hard done by, you know, all of those. Harry Kane still wouldn't get his 100th goal. So it would just kill the spirit of the game. I like the way it is. It's imperfect, and that's what makes it brilliant. And staying on the topic of soft penalties, how bad was that one given against Newcastle? Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging it. A lot of people giving me stick on social media. How many times have we seen in that small little area defenders tugging on shirts, strikers tugging on shirts all the time? It didn't pull them down. It was a little hold. So I thought it was a very soft penalty. That said, though, Newcastle could have taken five. So I'm happy to walk away with a point from a place which hasn't been easy to, to win at. And, and I think this point could be invaluable if I look at what's happening in this table. It is a mess. West Brom at the bottom on 20 points. Then it's Huddersfield on 24. Stoke on 24. Swansea 24. Newcastle 25. Southampton and 15, 26. Then it's Palace 27. All the way up to Watford potentially Okay, maybe not so much Watford, but West Ham could all be sucked into this relegation battle um, with, what's it, 12 more games to go in the season? Yeah, I think this this season is going to be the most interesting in terms of the relegation. That gap is so tight, you know, and, and that's why maybe it's important for, for Newcastle to have picked up wins against these teams in and around them. And also, um, you know, you see the likes of Swansea picking up wins against Arsenal, against Liverpool. Those type of results is good for them because, you know, if if you're beating guys that are not in the relegation zone, you are definitely uh, looking at, uh, you know, staying up. It's going to be, in the words of the great Alex Ferguson, squeaky bum time all the way to the end of the season, which is not far away, actually, if you think about it. This weekend, uh, Manchester United travel to St. James's Park. Uh, and it's funny because I would rather be playing Manchester United at Old Trafford than playing them at St. James's Park because Newcastle seem to lose the plot at home. They really have been woeful at home. So 
I don't hold any hope for this weekend. I hope Slimani um, gets a, a nod. Apparently, he will be fit. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, the Kennedy has impressed me. It just shows that the, the quality of player Newcastle have at the moment is championship standard. And yes, we've spoken about all due respect to the players. I love Newcastle, the club. But you bring in a guy like Kennedy and immediately, even at 21, far from the complete product, he's raw. He just shows the, the, the little bit extra, the class, what a difference it makes. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, Samani's fit and, and we can at least get 11 games out of him now and, and get some crucial wins because that relegation mark, I think, could be around 35, 36. I don't think it's, it, it might even be lower. It's going to be messy, man. That's all I can tell you. But before we get too depressed about what's happening in the relegation zone, what is going on at Chelsea? Because Watford, yes, Chelsea were down to 10 men and played with 10 men for 60 minutes, but it was a shambles last night. Yeah, they were totally destroyed. And I think Chelsea are in a bit of a mess at the moment. Um, you know, you can see Antonio Conte, I think he's lost the plot. He doesn't want to be there. He's open about them. Well, sack me. Um, he said whatever, you know, he gives all of his... Uh, you know his hard work and everything, but I think he's got it wrong. From he, he got it wrong from the beginning. He should never have gotten rid of Diego Costa. He's frozen out David Luiz, and you know I think he's blaming other factors. That the players are not, but he's to blame. You know he should have looked at the situation the way it is. Last season Chelsea were champions, yes, because they played a lot less football. They were had no Champions League or anything to worry about. This season they had a lot, and it's taken its toll. Yeah, I think let, let's hear from Conte, uh, Antonio Conte now after the defeat, the four-one defeat to to Watford, uh, and get his thoughts. and And the message is very clear: he has no intention of leaving, but he says it's kind of out of his hands. Let's take a listen, talking to the BBC. As you say, the coach takes the takes the blame. So, where do you think this leaves you? Your position. My position. Mm. My position is always the same. I stay here. I try to work and I try to, to put all myself for uh, in my work. If this is enough, uh, it's okay. Otherwise, the club to, to take another decision. Is it fair to say that the pressure is is, is building upon you? But for me, yeah, the pressure. Mm. But the pressure, the pressure. Uh, which pressure? Which type of pressure? Well, what the, is the pressure? Well, the pressure on, uh, on this, your position. This and uh, my position. Yeah. I repeat, uh, I, I work. If this is is enough, it's okay. Otherwise, and uh, uh, the club has to take another decision. The question, Mo, is: Do you think you can have a manager who says he's giving in one hundred twenty percent and whatever, and he's trying to do this? Are the Chelsea players doing a Mourinho on him? Because at the end of the day, I mean, it just showed that's what happened to Mourinho at Chelsea. They they lost the plot with the manager. They said screw this, and then the next thing they were champions. Yeah, I think he's lost his uh, the dressing room of a lot of the players, and he, I don't think they want to play for him. I think they they're just looking to either see out the season, or maybe just hoping he gets sacked now. Uh, you know, there's been talk that Luis Enrique, the former Barcelona manager, might be taking over, and he'd be I think he'd be perfect for them. Yeah, I think it'd be good. I still want to see Diego Simeone in the in the Premier League. I think um, the the work that he's done with Atletico Madrid. I'd love to see him with the Premier League side. Who knows? Anything can happen. I mean, reports of Pochettino going to Real Madrid with a pressure on Zidane. You name it. Anyway, let's talk about Arsenal. 
Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang already have had impacts. Should we be excited? I think it's a bit premature. And I've been annoyed by Arsenal you know, supporters, guys who I haven't even spoken to in years. They've all crept out and started thanking me for sending for United selling them Mkhitaryan. <laughs> I think it's a bit premature. You can't really base it on Everton, playing against Everton. Everton are a weak team. They showed how bad they defend. I love what and, Big Sam said, that they played crap. Yeah, that's what his words were. And, and also, <laughs> uh, you know, it's early days. Mkhitaryan is that type of player. Going forward, he was fantastic. But, you know, football is changing. You have to be able to do defense as well as attack. You know, the days of teams just winning, you score four, we score five, are over. He, and that's why it never worked out for him at United is that he wasn't willing to defend and Arsenal are going to have those type of games where everybody's going to be back defending and if he, and that if he doesn't excel in that if he only wants to play offensive then he's going to evaporate quicker than a dam in Cape Town yeah let's hope it rains in Cape Town soon and that it rains for Mkhitaryan because I mean Arsenal I, like, I know they get a lot of stick I still love the way they're playing and when they get it right they're so awesome to watch Arsenal's loss, of course, was Alexis Sanchez to Manchester United. How do you find he's slotted in so far? I mean, uh, it was a goal at Old Trafford. I mean, it's uh, the Munich air disaster, 60th anniversary. I mean, firstly, just want to say a lovely touch by, um, I saw you retweeted it uh, on at Football 2 Plus 3 on uh, Twitter, uh, a City United, um, uh, City and United remembering uh, that tragic incident from 60 years ago. Yeah, that, that was fantastic of Man City. It's not often I say that. Yeah. On the topic of Sanchez, I mean, a lot of... I've always just seen him being kicked and targeted by players. He, you know, the guys are just kicking him and maybe that's interrupting United's flow at the moment. And I, I don't really see that goal of his as his goal. I mean, it was a penalty and it was a rebound. Who's the usual penalty taker at United? Isn't it Lukaku? He must have just given it as charity at the moment. Anyway... I would like to know, I mean, with Sanchez going forward, surely he adds another dynamic for Mourinho uh, and, and that team? I mean, something they've maybe been lacking? He does, actually, he, because he's fierce. He's he's not scared to take the ball on and drive at players. And I notice he's been doing a lot of defending, which is unusual for him. At, like when he was at Arsenal, he wouldn't really track back that much. But, I mean, he just loves to have the ball at his feet. At the moment, he's, he's putting guys like uh, Martial or Rashford out of the team. But uh, I believe he will do better. And uh, what he's currently on, yeah, I suppose he should be taking penalties, free kicks, throw-ins. He should even be a water boy. <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know, at halftime do a, a show to entertain the fans with that salary. Because, of course, uh, this weekend, North London Derby, uh, no Sanchez, but it will be the Mkhitaryan Aubameyang against the Kane and Ali. So we'll... if that Ali doesn't get a suspension, he's dived too much, eh? Yeah, I think Spurs have a problem. I think that they're divers in general. I think Kane goes down too easily. Delhi Ali goes down too easily. And those are their two sort of goal machines. Well, it rem- yeah, the jury remains on, but I think it's going to be a fantastic game. Being at Wembley, I don't think it's a Spurs home game. It's more like an Arsenal home game. Arsenal have been there a few times in the FA Cup final. They used it as their home ground in the Champions League at one stage. It will be a great game. Let's quickly talk fantasy football. Um, if you haven't played your wild card, now is the perfect time. Transfer window is closed. Uh, you've had a look at the, the signings. Does Aubameyang make it into your fantasy team, Mo? 
Well, the jury is out on him. I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon. A lot of people have put him in. They've gone for Mkhitaryan. I'm going to wait it out to see how they do against the bigger teams. Because Aubameyang, how much did he really do against Everton other than that offside goal he scored? It was fairly quiet after that. Uh, I'm going to wait it out a bit. There is one guy I might consider is Aaron Ramsey. He seems to be the real deal. Yeah, hat-trick, isn't it? I know, and yeah, Hattrick, and I, I notice a lot of people dumped Riyad Mahrez. I don't blame them. Nobody seems to know where he is. Yeah, that, and I see that uh, one of the former players, uh, Chris Sutton, called him a baby. He's acting like a spoiled little baby after not getting his move away from Leicester. I think they should have been ready for it because he does this like he's done it a few times already. Every transfer window. <laughs> I think he should be a man about it and just say, okay, I didn't get my move. I'll play out this season, but next season I want to move. Yeah, and he should ditch that blonde hair. Just doesn't look cool. All right, we're going to have to leave it there. Thanks so much, Mo, for your time. Remember to catch Football 2 Plus 3 on iTunes under the Ginger's Perspective. SoundCloud, we're on cliffcentral.com on my Facebook page. And you can find us on Twitter at Football 2 Plus 3. Your parting words? As always, be champions. And remember, those limited edition mugs aren't far away, and we want to hear from you. Um, so, so get in touch via the social media platforms. Uh, let us know what you're thinking, and um, yeah, we'll send you one of those limited edition mugs in the near future. But it's going to be a cracking weekend. Uh, we might even speak before the weekend, Mo. It all depends on whether or not Conte sees out this week. That could be a telling factor if the Italian stays or if he goes. Thanks for listening to Football 2 Plus 3.